Well, we are so excited about what is going on and having this presentation for us today. Uh, before we invite uh, the presenters, uh, we have a special blessing with us as well. Uh, our founding pastors, some 28, 29 years ago, uh, Craig and Jan Hale are with us today. Craig and Jan, please stand. These are our founding pastors of the harvest. And we go way back with them. And uh, they invested a lot in us and planted some of these seeds today. And we're so excited that they are with us here today. Uh, the Ancient Project Scroll team, they're on their way out. We get this phone call. The trailer has somehow malfunctioned. You know, all I got was this message that they're on the highway and the, the trailers come off. And I'm thinking, oh, no. We started praying right away for the team, you know. And I'm thinking, wow, let's pray for them and make sure they're safe. But I, I, I don't know what to do. They, you know, I have no other information. When my staff member said, uh, we may not have a presentation today. And I'm thinking, great, because I didn't plan. I didn't prepare any message. I have nothing. If they don't show up, I have nothing. And then I thought, no, Craig's coming today. You, you can give our founding pastor a mic at any time, and he's got it, and he'll run with it. So uh, we had a backup, but praise God, everyone's safe, and uh, the team has shown up today, and we're really super glad that they are with us today. I want to especially thank Marianne Mize. Would you please stand? Thank you so much. She is the, the point person, the one who has made this all possible for us today. Yes, you and your husband, yes. And we are so grateful. You know, as a Messianic community, our value for these scrolls are just so high. And we are so blessed that you and your husband has made this possible for us today. We tried to bring everyone out a couple years ago. COVID hit. We got a phone call at the last minute. And so uh, it was really, really, it was, it was so discouraging because we were so up. And we had advertised and people came no scrolls, you know. Oh, so, so when the trailer had malfunction, I thought, no, I can't do this twice, you know. But there's always a third time or whatever. So, but it all worked out. And uh, we're grateful to have uh, your team here today with us. And so I would like to uh, invite up uh, for us today to uh, kick this off. Uh, the executive director, Charles Garrett. Charles, come on up. You're gonna, are you going to come up and say anything? Okay, okay. Well, I've been talking to uh, Charles for uh, before the service quite some time, getting the background to all this fascinating story, just a God thing, and it's just amazing what's happening now as this team takes these scrolls just anywhere and everywhere where people request for them to come, and it's really helping the body of Christ, the body of Messiah, connect with the Jewish roots of their faith, Israel, the Jewish people, and the sacred scriptures. And so this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I don't want to steal any thunder from Ted, who's going to be our presenter today. Uh, but I'm so jazzed because there's like only five complete sets. Three are in the Vatican. Who can go there? That's an airplane ticket, right? One's in a private museum, and the other one is available to the public due to this team. And so we are so grateful to have them with us today and to be able to interact with the sacred text. So please welcome Ted Van, our presenter today.
He, uh, whoa, okay, you awake now? Okay. <laughs> he, uh, he figured out we, our, we lost our pen, that, the, the safety pen, and uh, so he, uh, he made one out of an um, uh, Allen wrench, and we were, yeah, right there on the side of the highway, and we had to, like, jack the truck up, because the truck had gotten on top of the, the crank arm for the, for the trailer hitch, so we had to jack the truck up, drive it off the jack, um, to get it off of the hitch, and then get the hitch back up, and then it was it was crazy, and we were I didn't know if we were going to be able to do it or not, and uh, but uh, the Lord worked it out, and we made it here, and and miraculously we had like I think almost an hour uh, to spare after setting all this up, and uh, even though we got here late, and uh, and thanks in part to the the great team here at the Harvest, um, and uh, you know as Pastor mentioned. Uh, the scrolls were supposed to be here a couple of years ago and COVID hit and most of our team got COVID. We got hit pretty hard. I thought I was going to be promoted to heaven along with my wife. Uh, and, uh, but praise the Lord, we made it through. And, uh, and so did our whole team. And we're here to be with you this morning. And um, one other thing that he mentioned, you know, uh, we're in the time of the counting of the Omer. And, um, you know, the just before Passover, you have the first fruits of, you've got the first fruits of the barley harvest coming and the Aviv barley, and we celebrate that in the holiday of uh, Habikarim, first fruits. But, you know, Pentecost or Shavuot is the second first fruits. It's the first fruits of the wheat harvest. But it's also a first fruits of, of the age where the word went out to all nations, to the whole world. And for me, I think that that's uh, powerful as we're counting down to that recognition of that powerful moment when when the basura the good news went to all nations that we have this testimony of the word here as we're counting down to that and in a sense that seems a little prophetic to me um and it's also special for me too uh craig uh you know it's it's amazing supernatural connections is as i refer to them you know I worked for a messianic ministry in, in Jerusalem for, for 10 years. And uh, one of my good friends who made Aliyah lives outside of Jerusalem. He gave me a book years ago called Bar Baraka. And I read that book and I was thunderstruck inside my soul and uh, set out to purposefully impart blessing over my kids. Um, but after I, after I read that, I, w I came away feeling like, man, I need this. I need this blessing too. And so in a sense... Uh, he even discipled us uh, through through his book, and so it's an honor just to have you here this morning with us. Um, so let, I want to tell you a little bit about the foundation this morning, and then we'll transition into talking about the scrolls. And I'm going to be mentioning a few items and some some of the scrolls in specific, and some of our team are going to hold some of those items up for you this morning. Um, so in 1982, the Christian Heritage Foundation was established in uh, the sprawling metropolis of Cleburne, Texas. Have any of you heard of Cleburne, Texas? No. It's a small town, and um, most people haven't heard of it. But uh, that's where the Christian Heritage Foundation was established by uh, Walter and Marianne Mize. And um, a little bit about the foundation. So it operates in a county called Johnson County, Texas. And uh, the the, the foundation helps churches uh, reach people through the areas of benevolence, evangelism, and outreach. Um, they always support the body, but they're not in competition with the body. And the other thing is, from the foundation is, is we don't solicit or accept any kind of funds or get, um, gifts 
It's all giving. And uh, the foundation has just done some amazing things. Um, one of the things that our foundation has done is we create sister relationships between Messianic congregations in the land of Israel and churches here in our, in our county, in Johnson County. And we have over 30 congregations um, in our county that have a sister relationship. And I don't know anywhere else where you have that kind of a representation of relationship between Messianic community in Israel and, and, and churches in the, in the United States or anywhere else in the world. And so it's really a unique place. Um, the objective of the foundation is, is to present the Besorah, the good news, the gospel, uh, to all the people of the county as directly as possible, to urge the county to live a more, more Messiah or Christ-centered life, uh, to encourage all the people of the county to be a part of a congregation of their choice, and to help the business community find Yeshua's plan for their business. Uh, because if, if the business has Yeshua as the CEO, then they're going to prosper and be successful. But last but not least is to um, have the county honor Israel and the, the body honor Israel. And, and the, indeed, they have done that in, in a profound and incredible way. And part of that is this ancient scroll project. So the backstory on the scrolls were, in 2007, uh, Walter and Marianne were invited uh, to see some scrolls at a church uh, in, uh, in Johnson County, Bono Baptist Church. And, um, and afterwards, Walter was, was stunned. They had 10 scrolls um, in this presentation. It takes 16 scrolls to make a complete Tanakh. And there were 10 there in this presentation. And uh, he, he went up to the, the gentleman afterwards and said, well, you know, where do you keep these? And he goes, well, I keep them wrapped up in blankets in the trunk of my car. Um, and he goes, well, I'd like to, you know, offer to store those scrolls for you as my way to honor Israel. He had just gotten this in his heart to honor Israel. And, um, and he said, we'll insure them, we'll climate control them, we'll, we'll do everything, and you can take them and come and go with them as you need and bring people here to see them. And so he accepted that offer, and that was the beginning of, of this great journey. Um, and so let's talk about the scrolls a little bit and, and just their rarity. You know, one thing that I learned from Craig Hill uh, in his book, uh, Ancient Paths, was uh, olam, this Hebrew word olam which is ancient, and these are ancient, but they're also eternal. They're unending. And that's one of the things about this, this testimony of the word that's here before you. Yes, indeed, these are ancient, but that doesn't mean they're no longer relevant. In fact, they're more relevant now than they ever have been, in, in, in that sense, in a culture that's lost its way. This is a standing stone. Um, we, in, in the time of, of the Bible, we had these things called masavot or masavot, the standing stones. They were testimonies that the Lord visited here. And in a sense, these are masavot. These are standing stones to the whole body worldwide that are our Lord. He is a promise-keeping Lord. Amen? Um, so a lot of people ask us, are these originals? Well, the answer to that would be both yes and no. Um, no, Moses and David... Um, and the prophets didn't pen these particular copies, but these were handed down from generation to generation, medor lador, uh, and in a, in a very powerful and meticulous way. And, and some of these are very, very ancient, and, um, but they're just exactly like the, the first editions, because those original ones that were penned by Moses and, and David and the prophets would be first editions. Um, and so... 
Something that you should know about this particular set is this is the only complete Tanakh. Tanakh is an acronym for the Old Testament, the Hebrew Old Testament. Only complete Tanakh on the face of planet Earth that you and I can see. There's five sets on the face of planet Earth, five complete sets. Vatican has three sets. There's a private collection in Katy, Texas, and this one. But this is the only one you can see. You go to the Vatican, they might bring one or two of these out, you know, several times a year. But never are they going to have a complete set out for people to see. And it's not really accessible uh, to average people. And so this is, this is um, one of only five complete sets. Um, and, and it's so rare. It, you know, Israel, Israel itself doesn't have a complete Tanakh in ancient scroll form. We've had 90 rabbis that have come from Israel to see this. Some of them have been brought to tears seeing this. They've never seen a complete Tanakh in ancient scroll form. You know, our, our psalm scroll, which is right here next to these, uh, this display of the Torah scrolls, there's only seven other psalm scrolls on the face of planet Earth. I mean, this is the only one that you can see. Um, and so, um, the rarity it makes these an international treasure. And uh, the Museum of the Bible even um, had asked if we'd be interested in displaying these for about three months uh, a while back because um, they don't have a complete Old Testament in ancient scroll form. So what, what's before you this morning truly is an international treasure. Um, so let's talk about Tanakh. Tanakh is an acronym. Uh, we have three divisions of, of the scriptures in Hebrew. The Torah, the Nevaim, which is the prophets, and the Ketuvim, the writings. And the first letter of those, of those three divisions is how we get the acronym Tanakh. Um, the Old Testament has 39 books, um, but those are contained in 16 scrolls. And so actually what we have here this morning is more than a, a complete uh, Tanakh, because we have multiple uh, Torahs here this morning. Uh, we have a very ancient Torah over there, and then uh, we have a Sephardic Torah, which is in the, in the metal case, and then Ashkenazi Torahs behind it. And so, um, take 16 scrolls to have a complete Tanakh, and some of these scrolls are incredibly rare. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that there's only seven other Psalm scrolls on the face of planet Earth. Um, and as you, many of you well know, the, the Torah scroll is the most common scroll, and most synagogues have a Torah scroll. And that's going to be the most common scroll. The second most common scroll would be the Megillah Esther, the, the Esther scroll. Um, and typically in a synagogue service, we read from the Torah in our, our parashat, as, as Pastor mentioned this morning. And, uh, and as you may know also that, you know, Torah doesn't necessarily just mean law, but more importantly, it means instructions. Instructions from our Abba. And when I go to churches, I like to say, you know, when my dad would tell me to take the trash out, you know, that was instructions. But if I didn't do it, it would quickly become law. And, uh, <laughs> but it was for the benefit of the whole family. And that's, that's the heart of it. Um, so, um, you know, and one of the things that's, that's powerful and profound in the Jewish world, and then even in the Messianic world, is this sense of awe and holiness of the Word. And I think if you came in this morning and you saw this display, maybe you felt a little bit of a, a heightened sense of reverential awe. And you know, when we have hakafa in a traditional synagogue, when we bring the Torah out of the ark and we do the processional and everybody touches um, the cover of the Torah and they touch their lips or they take their seat seat and they touch the Torah and they touch the lips and everybody wa 
worships and watches the Torah as it proceeds around the congregation and comes to its place on the Bema. Um, and then when we go to put it back to the ark, again, we worship. And so there's this really profound sense of reverential awe that, that this word is living, that this word is powerful, that this word is awesome. And I think in the church world <clears throat> that we've lost a little bit of that sense of reverential awe of that holiness of the word. And so one of the things that I, I hope that you get this morning is a renewed sense of that this is kadosh, even the Torah portion, kadoshim. This is, this is holy. This is set apart. Um, let's talk about the writing of the scrolls this morning. Um, so these scrolls are written on kosher animal skins. So we've got some more of them over here. Uh, Stacy and Jeanette, can you grab some of the other ones? So the scrolls, a lot of people think they're written on paper, but they're actually written on kosher animal skins. Um, and uh, I've got here in my hand, this is about 300-year-old deer skin. And this is sheep. And then he's got uh, goat, calf, unborn calf, and a, a new deer skin. And so this is what the scrolls would be written on not on paper. Many ancient documents in the ancient world, thank you, Stacy, were written on papyrus, um, plant-based papers. And it's one of the reasons why those ancient documents haven't survived um, in the numbers that biblical texts and manuscripts have, because these animal skins have an incredible enduring quality. And that's why there are more source documents for biblical manuscripts than there are anywhere else in the world. I think the Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey is the next closest and it's only a handful of documents but there are literally hundreds if not thousands of source documents for for the for the biblical scrolls and so we write these on on kosher animal skins and we uh oh got it in my pocket here we we make a special ink and uh the ink comes from gum arabic stacy can you grab a piece and grab a gum nut? so we have this, this gum arabic. It comes from the acacia tree. It's the sap of the acacia tree. It's hard like a rock. We just did a presentation at school. All the kids thought it was a rock. But it's actually the sap of the acacia tree. And it's interesting to note that this is a key component to the writing of the word. But the acacia tree was also the key component for everything in the, in the tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant. The altar of incense. The table of showbread. All the poles. The all, all the poles for the tabernacle came from that very same tree. But the ink also comes from, uh, from that tree. And we also take gall nuts. And the gall nut, the gall wasp will come and sting this tree and deposit an egg. And then the tree will form this nut around the egg. Then when the gall wasp is of mature age, it'll burr its way out. And then um, the sophers of the scribes will gather up the, um, the gum arabic from this application tree and the gall nuts mix this together with water, and they make the ink. Now, the interesting thing about the ink is the ink would last for 200 years. That's the enduring quality of the ink. And, um, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, the text can fade on these scrolls, and they sometimes re-ink them, but the enduring quality of the ink is incredible. You could write with that ink for 200 years. Um, a few years ago, when my grandmother and grandfather passed away, um, we went to their house and we're going through this dresser and we pulled this thing out. And there were some um, comic books and papers from the 1920s in there. 
and the paper was really worn and faded, and the, the ink was almost vanished off, off the page. And, um, but because of the way this ink was fashioned, um, it endured and has endured from generation to generation. Um, and then we would take a turkey feather, and we would sharpen the turkey feather, and, um, and we would use this turkey feather to write the scrolls. Now, we wouldn't write it with a metal object because a metal object could be used as an instrument for war, for taking life. These, all the implements for making the scrolls came from living things. And this is really kind of the earliest form of what we would call calligraphy. Now, the scribe, or the, the sofer in Hebrew, we translate it as scribe, but that's really not the best translation. A sofer, the best translation for sofer um, is really counter of letters. So a scribe, you know, for instance, if, if he were going to pen a Torah scroll, it's going to take him about a year to um, a year and a half to write that scroll. Um, when he completed the process of writing the scroll, then he's going to count all the letters to make sure that there's 304,805 letters. Now, how many of y'all have counted to 304,805? 200,000? 100,000? 10,000? Anybody? 1,000? Nobody. We had a garage sale a while back, and um, we had all this change from the garage sale, and I'm counting up. I'm almost done, and my son interrupts me with a very unimportant question, and I answer his very unimportant question, and then I realize, oh my gosh, I lost count, and I was feeling very frustrated. I had to start all over again. Have you ever had to start all over again? Imagine counting the 304,805 and getting almost there and having to start all over again. Okay, supernatural patience. But it wasn't just one scribe, the, the scribe, the sofer, who wrote the scroll who would do that. A second sofer would then count to make sure that there were 304,805 letters. Once the second sofer or scribe is done, then a third sofer or scribe is going to count to make sure that there's 304,805 letters. This is the precision with which the word has been preserved from generation to generation. No other ancient document in the ancient world comes anywhere close to that kind of meticulous pre precision. And one of the things that I'll point out to you is our Isaiah scroll, for instance, here. This Isaiah scroll that we have up here, it is um, 350 years old or thereabouts. Now, we have back at the foundation a replica of the Isaiah scroll from the Dead Sea Scrolls. 1948, after the war was over, uh, an Arab Bedouin uh, shepherd boy, he throws a rock into a cave and he hears a crash. And he goes in there and there's these um, clay jars full of scrolls and fragments of scrolls. And in there, they found a complete Isaiah scroll, which is on display at the Shrine of the Book, and they've carbon dated it to be 2,500 years old. That Isaiah scroll, which we have a replica of, that's 2,500 year, years old or thereabouts, is, there's no difference between that Isaiah scroll and our Isaiah, and our Isaiah scroll that's 350 years old. And so the precision with which this word has been handed down from generation to generation, Mador Lador, is like nothing else in, in the entire world. And you came in here this morning and you sat down on your chair and you expected the chair without a thought to hold you up. That's an act of faith. And if you can have that much confidence in the chair, have you ever sat in a chair and it didn't hold you up? You're like, oh, 
It really, it really throws you off. Well, how much more can you put your faith and confidence in this miraculous word that has been preserved in such an incredible way? Um, now, each panel of a Torah scroll has got 42 lines. And when they, when they pin this scroll, they, they write the lines on there. And you can see this when you come up to look at the scrolls. Look at the Psalm scroll. You can see where the lines are scored off. So they write the lines on there. And then they write the letters. And um, in, in the Hebrew, not only do we write, um, in the Western world, it's left to right. We write right to left. But we also, in the English world, we write from the bottom of the line up. In Hebrew, we write from the top of the line down. So they write the lines on the paper, and then they write the letters, and then when they're done, they score off the lines so you can't see them anymore. But you can see the remnants of the lines that were on there, especially on the Psalm scroll. Now, if on a panel of that Torah scroll, they made a, a mistake, even a single mistake, a uh, misshapen letter, a misspelled letter, if they couldn't correct it, they would have to begin all over again from scratch. Um, <clears throat> so these scrolls have been written exactly from generation to generation the way the Torah was written from the very first time by Moses. And um, now we also have this peculiar device up here. Maybe you've seen it before, especially since you're in a Messianic congregation. Anybody know what this is? This is called a yod. Yod is hand in Hebrew. And it's got this little hand on the, on the end of it with a pointing finger. And uh, I love to show this at schools. And all the kids are like, oh, it's a pointing finger. And I think it's really cool. Why do we use this? Well, when you look at the scrolls, um, if you look at your Bible um, on your phone or if you've got your actual Bible with you, you'll notice that there's chapter and verses in there. Um, but in, the, in scroll form, there's no chapters, no verses. It's just a continuous stream of text. And, you know... Um, unless you're very intimate and familiar with the text, it's actually you know kind of difficult, even if you can read it, read it like I can, um, to know where you are. Because if I told you to grab the Psalm scroll and you know open up to Psalm you know 27, you know verse five, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to find it. Well, we use this yod to touch the scroll to keep our place as we read. Um, number one, we're not going to touch the scroll because it's kadosh, it's holy that reverential law, but also the oils and the acids on our finger can damage the scrolls, and so we don't want to touch them with our fingers. That's why we use this peculiar little device called the Yod. Now, I want to point out a few scrolls to you here. We've got our Esther scroll. Uh, we've got an Esther scroll over there, and we have an Esther scroll over here, and our Esther scroll over here is open up to Esther chapter 9, and uh, that's one of the things I want you to look at. You'll see, you know, if you look at Esther 9 in your Bible, it's not going to have giant text like that. The text there in Esther chapter 9 is supersized. And those are the ten sons of Haman's names. Haman set out to destroy our people. He had a plan to destroy our people, but God had a plan to save our people through Esther and Mordecai. And those supersized letters are the names and then a word that um, after each name. Now, the peculiar thing in there is there's um, three letters in there that are super small amongst the super big letters. Um, there's a Tav, Sheen, and a Zion that are super small. And, um, and then there's a large Vav in there um, adjacent to that. 
And that equals the Hebrew year 5707 or 1946. Because our letters are also our numbers. What happened in 1946? Ten Nazi war criminals were hung on gallows like Haman's ten sons. And the first Nazi war criminal who was hung, Julius Stryker, at two in the morning when he went up to the gallows, they put the noose around his neck. He said, Purim Fest, 1946. And then they hung him. Now, is that a coincidence? I don't know. Maybe it is. But there were ten Nazi war criminals and ten sons of Haman. So, uh, another scroll I want to point out to you is Psalm, the Psalm scroll. Um, and our Psalm scroll is open to Psalm 119. And I had a conversation with a lady this morning. If you look in your Bibles, um, your English Bibles, you're, in a lot of them you're going to see um, a Hebrew letter, Aleph, then there'll be eight verses, then Beit, then eight verses, and on and on through all 22 letters of the Hebrew uh, alphabet. And the reason they, they do that, the translators wanted you to know that Psalm 119 is an acrostic. So when you see it in scroll form over here in Hebrew, the first eight verses begin with Aleph. The second eight verses begin with Beit. The third set of eight verses begin with Gimel, and on and on. And, uh, but you don't see that when you read that in, in the English Bible. Um, and, there, and one other scroll uh, uh, that we have up here is, is a Haftorah scroll. And the Haftorah scroll was a scroll, um, and he's going to hold it up for you, um, is, a, is a scroll that's got a collection of verses from the prophets where they mention the Torah. So it's a collection and it was used in um, a school in Poland, an, an elementary type school, a Jewish school. And um, <clears throat> the Nazis came into this village in Poland and rounded up all the Jewish people and sent them away to the concentration camps. And then the Nazis took their bayonet and they stabbed that scroll five times. They mounted it onto the bayonet and they tossed it to the next guy and caught it on the bayonet. Five times they stabbed that scroll. And, you know, one of the things that I think about when I look at that and I look at the Esther scroll is, is the enemy always has this plan to preempt God's, God's word, God's people. But in the end, our God has the final say. Amen? Um, now, typically, um, you know, when we present at a church too, we also mention the shofar, but you guys... We're all very familiar with the shofar here, I'm, I'm assuming. And we also talk about uh, seat, seat and the talit. Um, and um, and I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about the seat, seat. I see a lot of the uh, young men walking around with seat, seat this morning. And, um, and you know, many of you probably already know this, but um, the Lord commanded us to have these, uh, these tassels, these seat, seat, on the corners of our garment. And the Hebrew word isn't actually corner, it's kanaf, or kanafim, which means wing. Um, and, uh, and we've got five knots, which represent the Torah, the first five books. And then there's the number of windings. Remember, our letters are also our numbers in between each knot. And that equals yod Hey vav Hey Yahweh, our God. And then we have, he said, we were supposed to have the single blue thread, which was to be tekelet, the the blue of the sky, to remind us that we are sons and daughter of the King of Heaven, bound to Him by His, his Torah, His Word. And, um, you know, the story 
Oh, in, in, in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, where the woman with the issue of blood came and she grabbed the corner of Yeshua's garment. Um, the reason she grabbed the corner of Yeshua's garment because Malachi prophesied that the son of righteousness would arise with healing in his wings. Now we know that the son of righteousness was who? Yeshua. Now did Yeshua walk around with wings sticking out his back? No. It's talking about healing in his kanafim, the wings of his garment. And she knew that he was the son of righteousness. And her act of faith was, you are Messiah. You're the one who has healing in your wings. I'm going to grab on. And she made a declaration of faith with her yad, with her hand. And she received her healing. Amen.